Hallelujah. This certificate here says, this recognizes that William Joseph was filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues on the 12th day of August, year 2022. How about you clap your hands for William right now? There you go. How about you turn it around? Let's get a picture. Give me a five. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands again for him and praise the Lord for what God has done there. Hallelujah. Are you going to keep praying for William? Let's keep praying for him. Let's keep lifting him up in our prayers because we know that the Holy Ghost is just the beginning, right? Hallelujah. It's just the birthing process. So he just became a newborn baby. I know, you know, he's he's older than that, but he just became a baby in the Lord. And now is when his true growth begins in Christ. And we're very excited for William and all that God's going to do with them. Hallelujah. All right. If you could stand again and go in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 35, the, the Sunday school kids can be dismissed. Numbers chapter 35 and verse 25. Praise the Lord. It's so good to have every one of you here. Good to see Maribel. Is that you? Good to see you again. God bless you. (laughs) Praise God. I thought that was you. I didn't get a good look until I stood here, but it's good to see you again. And our friends, hallelujah, who just moved here from up north just a little while ago. Good to have you guys here again with us. Praise God and Praise the Lord. I think it'd be good. Why don't you, after service, just text somebody. Tell them you, you, know, you missed them and you prayed for them today. Somebody who's not here, praise God. And don't make them feel bad. Don't intimidate anything like that. Let them know I'm praying for you. Love you. We'd love for, for them to know that we're thinking about them. We're praying for them while we're in service. Uh, another thing is we would love for you to join us after service. We are going to Blaze Pizza there on US 1 after service for fellowship. Again, everybody's invited. We would love, love, love for you to come and join us and spend some time in fellowship with us together. Amen. All right, we're going to get to the word. Numbers chapter 35 and verse 25. It says, And the congregation shall deliver the slayer, everybody say slayer, out of the hand of the revenger, everybody say revenger, of blood. And the congregation shall restore him, the slayer, to the city of his refuge, whether he was fled. And he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city, of his refuge, or go outside the walls where he came to, outside the walls of the city, and the revenger of blood find him outside the walls of the city of refuge, the revenger of blood will kill the slayer. He has the right to kill the slayer. He shall not be guilty of blood. He killed him when he was outside of the city of refuge, because the slayer should have remained in the city of his refuge 
until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of his possession. Now, if you don't know much about the city of refuge, that might seem like a whole bunch of uh, weird passages of Scripture there. But we're going to break these down, and we're going to talk about this topic. But I'm excited. I'm going to look at this, the city of refuge, in a little bit of a different way. But I'd like to preach today just when the news came. The idea, that thought of when the news came and what took place in that city when that news came that the high priest was dead. Hallelujah. It sounds like grim news to us, but we want to talk about that tonight. How about we go ahead and lift up our hearts unto the Lord right now and just ask him to speak to us. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would use me to speak to this congregation. Help me to be clear, Lord God, with my words. Help me to explain this adequately that all of us can walk out of here with a full knowledge of the city of refuge and what it means to us today. Oh, Lord God, I pray you help me to speak directly into the lives of your people. Bless us here today, Lord God, with your grace and your mercy as you've already allowed us to feel your presence and anointing in this place. Oh, have your way, Lord Jesus, today. Have your way in this house, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you clap your hands to the Lord again? Hallelujah. You'll notice we ask you to clap a lot, but that's all right. That's just our praise and worship to the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, as the children of Israel came into the promised land, each tribe was given a special place for them to live, a special place for them to abide by. Uh, Sister Me, it's that clicking there that, that uh, seems to be a lot of clicking. So I might need to kind of move around the cords a little bit and uh, might get a little annoying for a second there. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's why we give to the building fund, right? Hallelujah. So we can uh, fix these issues. Praise God. But of the 12 tribes of Israel, Levi was given no area. Every other tribe got a certain place in the promised land, except for Levi. Now, of course, Levi was the priest, priestly family. They were the ones who would be in charge of the tabernacle. It was Levi that Aaron and his sons came out of. And the Bible tells us exactly the reason why they did not get an inheritance It says, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part, and I am thine inheritance among the children of Israel. Hallelujah. Now, what an interesting passage of Scripture. He says, Listen, I am all you need, praise God, You don't need for me to give you big lands and and lots of square footage. Hallelujah. I know that's something that we all desire to have and want. But Jesus, God just simply said, listen, I am all you need. I am more than enough. How many of you know God is more than enough? Amen. 
Praise God. Verse 21, it says, And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance. In other words, they get the tithe. So although they did not get a piece of land, they received a tithe of all the sacrifices that the children of Israel would commit to the Lord. So they, it wasn't that they were given nothing. They just weren't given land. It says, for their service, which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So where is where, where do the Levites live then if they are not given land? Well, although they weren't given large portions of land, they were given 48 Levitical cities within each tribe. Now, this was important for the children of Israel. Maybe not for us today, but I find this interesting. Hallelujah. This was important for the children of Israel because this ensured that every one of the 11 tribes had ministers and the priesthood living right in their camp. Hallelujah. They wanted that there would be somebody who was responsible for teaching the law of God living as close as possible. So in other words, you didn't have to travel very far in order to find a Levite. You didn't have to travel very far in order to hear the Word of God. Isn't that kind of the same mentality we have in church today? I tell you, I'm not satisfied with just having a church in Stewart. I want a church in Port St. Lucie. I want a church in Hope Sound. I want a church in Jupiter, right? Hallelujah. Isn't that our vision? Praise God. Because I want that there would be a church on every corner. Praise God. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be a thing? Praise the Lord. So that was the mindset. They wanted a city in every tribe. Every large piece of land had Levites living in it. And more specifically, among the 48 cities, six cities were very special. They were called cities of refuge. Three of them were west of Jordan, and three of them were east of Jordan. Numbers 35 and 6 tells us what this is. It says, And among the cities which ye shall give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge, which ye shall appoint for the manslayer, that he may flee thither, and to them ye shall add forty and two cities. In other words, they wanted to make sure that with the dispersion of cities that the Levites lived in, there was also an adequate amount of cities of refuge. Because the city of refuge was a huge part of the justice system in Israel. To us today, this might seem a little crazy. To them in that day, I'm sure it was a strange system, but it was all symbolic as to what would come for Israel and for the Gentiles, which is us, praise God. You see, there was this idea of innocence where if a man or a woman accidentally killed somebody, say there's two men out in the field, one with an axe. Maybe he didn't realize the axe 
was growing old. Perhaps he borrowed it from a friend. You know, that friend gave him the bad one, you know. <laughs> you never lend out your good acts. <laughs> so his friend gave him the, the rough one, right? The one that isn't too good. He takes that axe. He's out with his friend, and they're chopping down trees. He's swinging that axe as hard as he can to try to chop down that tree. But that axe head slowly slips as he pulls a swing, and that axe head tragically goes and strikes his friend and kills him. This, of course, would not be an intentional murder. It would be something accidental. What was the judicial process in order to either place this man guilty or innocent? What was the judicial process in order for that man who was killed, his blood to be revenged? You see, because yes, it may have been an accident, but the death still caused great hardship for all of his family. Perhaps that man had a wife and a child. Perhaps they're now abandoned. Perhaps his parents are depending on him, and now his parents have no one to depend on anymore. Again, so much as if any one of us would to tragically pass away there would be so much a part of that. And although we might try to find some grace and mercy in our hearts to forgive him who accidentally killed my brother or my sister or my child or somebody who's close to me, still in Scripture there's an idea that blood must be shed for blood. So Scripture actually allowed for the revenger of blood to slay the murderer. It allowed for the man who lost somebody to take out his revenge on the one who killed them. Now, why is this? Well, because first of all, it's likely he has no idea if he murdered him or if it was an accident. That process has not been taken care of yet. And before that man who killed the other person has a chance to come up with a lie, to come up with some sort of story that might convince people he's innocent, hallelujah, it says that the revenger of blood immediately has the opportunity to take out his revenge. This is in your Bibles, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. And I know this is fascinating to me, and I hope it is to you. You see, that made this situation so intense. Because imagine if you're the one who accidentally slayed somebody. Imagine you just had this tragic situation occur. Your axe head accidentally came off and killed somebody who was possibly even your friend. And before you have time to really process this death, immediately you realize 
the revenger is coming to get me. Immediately, you realize I've got to run for my life. But where am I going to run to? There was only one place where the slayer, the man who accidentally killed somebody, could run. And that was the city of refuge. God made sure that there was a place that every person who did something wrong, every person who committed such an act, there would be a place where they would be safe in order to go through the judicial process and to discover if they were truly uh, guilty or innocent. Hallelujah. I'm thankful today that we too have a place to run to. I'm thankful today that we too can rest in the arms of God and know that even if we make mistakes and even if we mess up. If we get to God, God will be our refuge. Psalms 91 and 1, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Oh, let me tell you, if you made a mistake, you need to find your place in the city of refuge or the, the refuge of God's arms. If you've made a mistake, you need to run to the fortress, which is the presence of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. This past weekend, I had a chance to preach a Friday night at the youth revival. I preached a sermon I preached here a few months ago called Learning to Fall. And the key point was this, that we must learn when we fall, when we mess up, when we fail, not to throw in the towel, not to throw it all away, not to decide that everything needs to be done. Don't stop going to church because you messed up. Oh, hallelujah. Don't stop going to church because you failed. Don't stop going to church because you made a mistake. Oh, no, that's the place you need to go to. That's the first place you got to get to. Oh, I messed up. Oh, well, this is a fortress where those who mess up can run to. Oh, this is a place of refuge. We're not here to condemn anybody. Hallelujah. God may convict you in our sermons, and that's great. But we're here to hold you up, to help you bear your burdens, to give you a shoulder to lean on, because this is a fortress that you can run to. Anybody thankful for the church here today? Oh, thank you. So imagine this with me. I'm out in the field. The axe head comes off the axe. It slays my friend. And immediately, I know the revenger of blood is out to get me. That means I have a choice. I can wait around. I can go home, pack up my things. You better hope news doesn't travel fast because that's where the revenger of blood's going to go first. 
I can't go home and pack my things because the revenger knows that's where I might be going next. I, I can't go to the supermarket because word's going to get out. That's where I'm at, and the revenger of blood can come get me. The Bible communicates it like it's an urgent situation. There's nothing more important in that moment than the slayer to run as fast as he can to the city of refuge. That's why every road in Israel led to the city of refuge. You could get to a city of refuge from every road in Israel. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Praise God. That's how accessible God is. The Bible says that he's a very present help in time of trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's an easy road to get to. All you got to do is lay on your knees and begin to cry out to the Lord. And he's a very present help in time of trouble. Hallelujah. He'd have to run, though, as fast as he could. If the revenger was out in the field with them, you better believe he was running as fast as he could. And it would be acceptable, not just legal, acceptable for the revenger of blood to actually chase him. Can you imagine that view, that sight, being standing next to a road and you see two men running as fast as they can, one who's covered in blood and the other who is cursing, waving hands of, of weapons. And you see this chase taking place where they're running as quickly as they can to get to the city of refuge because that's the only place they could go. And it was actually... So important. This was such a common thing in Israel that the Bible talks several times about the responsibility of making sure the road is clear. Several times a year, the children of Israel would need to go out. Those in the city, they need to go out and pick up any rocks, fill any potholes. Hallelujah, I wish they'd do that around here, praise the Lord. Fill in any potholes. They didn't want anybody breaking their leg, their ankles run into the city of refuge. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 19 and 3, thou shalt prepare thee away. This is, this is God talking to those in the city. He said, prepare the way. They would need to set up boulders on the sides. I mean, it looked like it was a racetrack. They wanted to make sure the road was as smooth as possible. He said, divide the coast of the land which the Lord thy God give it to thee, saying, divide it to inherit into three parts that every slayer may flee thither. They had to do everything they could to make sure the slayer who could possibly be innocent, who could possibly be guilty, that blood on them could have been shed maliciously, yet they needed to make sure the road was 
perfect and that they could easily make it into the city of refuge. Come on, church, I don't care what they've done and I don't care what they look like. It doesn't matter what their past is. The church is responsible for paving the road and making sure the laws has easy access into the house of God. It's a responsibility of the church to make sure every person who needs to find redemption has a place to go, has a pathway to get here. Oh, come on now. Hallelujah. I want there to be a place where they can come. Hallelujah. When they come in, we don't want stones to be in their way. There's a stone called jealousy. There's a stone. Hallelujah. That's those feelings you get when you see somebody that you think don't deserve it. Right? Come on, church. Hallelujah. It's easy to look at some people and look at them and think bad things or, or think to yourself, well, well, why are they doing that? They shouldn't be dressed that way. They shouldn't be acting that way. You're right, they shouldn't be. That's why they're in the house of the Lord. That's why they're here. Hallelujah. That's why we got to make it easy for them to get here. Praise God. I've said it before and I'll say it again. My favorite smell in church is the smell of smoke. Why is that, Pastor? That means there's people in here who are struggling. And I'm not trying to excuse sin or excuse lifestyles. I'm trying to say I'm thankful that people who are struggling with things know there's a place they can come where they can fall into the hands of God. They can find refuge. They can find strength. They can find help when the time is come. Hallelujah. And again, the Bible actually talks of this. It uses this example of the road leading to the city of refuge as an example of the preparation of Jesus Christ coming. Isaiah says in 57, 13, When thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee, but the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them, but he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Verse 14, and shall say, cast ye up. Talking about the stones. Cast ye up the stones. Prepare the way. Take up the stumbling blocks out of the way of my people. Can you imagine? Hallelujah. The slayer of blood. God calls them my people. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The slayer of blood is still considered his people. It doesn't matter what sins they're bringing through that door. They're his people. Hallelujah. God wants us to prepare the way to remove the stumbling blocks, to get things prepared so that they can come easily into the house of God and find place where they can seek the Lord. How about you clap your hands to the Lord? Can you pray right now? Say, God, oh, Lord, help us to remove the stumbling blocks, God. They could easily go to the city of refuge. But sadly, some 
would have chosen to find refuge in other things. And we recognize today that many have taken refuge in things that are not of God. They've covered their shame and their guilt with alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual activity, covered their emotions, attempted to hide from the repercussions of their actions. They've done it in a way where they just keep putting themselves at risk. They've hidden away in some darkner of their room, wishing themselves to find some help. And if I may look at this in a different type of perspective, because once that slayer entered into the city of refuge, that city of refuge, which was a place of hope that they could hide in, then became, if you will, a prison for them to be locked in. Because once they entered into that city of refuge, a place where likely they had no friends, they had no family, they had no money, they had no place to stay, they were dependent purely on other people, and they could never leave. Because sitting right outside the gate of that city of refuge was the slayer of blood or the revenger of blood. It was not uncommon to look outside the gate next to the doorway and find a tent, a lodging of somebody who's just waiting, sitting and waiting to revenge the blood on their lives. What is it that God told Cain? He said, Cain, the devil's like a crouching tiger ready to pounce. And the first opportunity he gets, he's going to capture you. I feel like right now there's many people who they've found refuge, but they know it's not a good situation. It's a temporary refuge. And they know that the devil's right there ready to capture them, to cash in on the sins that they've made, to cash in on the, the problems they've had in the past. And it's a constant reminder outside the gate. Every time I look over the wall, I can see him again. That revenger of blood, he's just waiting for the opportunity to drag me to hell. He's just waiting for the opportunity to take my most precious things. He's just waiting for the opportunity to take my life and to destroy all that I have. But he couldn't do anything about it. 
if he would go before the board and the judicial process would go through, even if he was found to be innocent. And it was not malicious, it was on accident. He still could not leave the city of refuge because the revenger of blood still had the right to take him out. Can I tell you, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Oh, hallelujah. And I can see a multitude of people sitting inside that city, that fortress, and they're recognizing any minute now, if I walk out there, if I do this, if I make a mistake, the revenger of blood is going to take me out. Any moment now, it's going to happen, and my life is going to fail. And I even though I've taken refuge in this and I've taken refuge in that, it will not be adequate. And the revenger of blood will cash in and the wage will be paid, which is the payment of my own life, blood for blood. Hallelujah. And I know today I might be talking in, in, in strange terms, but I'm trying to explain how I feel God has given this to me. There's some people where you're just sitting there and you've taken refuge in things. You've done things and you feel like you're barely holding on. You know that still the revenger of blood is out to get you. There's still payment that needs to be paid. There's a wage on your life. There's a price on your head because of the mistakes then your paths there are things that are coming against you and he will not stop until he catches you and he has the opportunity to cash in that payment for your life but in all of this there was one way out it was a weird one it was a strange one, one that I truly don't understand in that day, but I understand today. One opportunity for him to find refuge. One opportunity for him to be able to leave without the risk of somebody trying to take his life. And that is the scripture tells us that when the high priest would die, for some reason, that would break all wages, all bets are off, and the slayer could easily walk out, and the revenger of blood would not have the ability, the right to kill him. Hallelujah, I'm here to tell you today that our high priest has already died that our high priest died many years ago on that cross in Golgotha. I'm here to tell you today that God's already shed his life. 
That's why that scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of Christ is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me tell you the good news. Jesus died. Our high priest shed his blood. That means the slayer, the revenger of blood, he has no right to take his... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That sin in your past, if you give it to the high priest, he's already died for you. He's already given his life for you. All you got to do is repent and the revenger of blood has no right to cash in on you. Somebody thank the Lord today. Somebody recognize the grace of God. Hebrews 7.25 Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for him. For such an high priest became us, our God became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily sacrifices as those priests did, but he, for our own sin, he put himself on the cross, he offered up himself. Hallelujah. Saying that, praise God, that which be in the past was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. In the past, it was done in that process. Our high priest, he offered up himself. Why is it that the high priest, the most holy in the camp, the one who would have the least amount of sin, that his blood it would actually be sufficient for the revenger of blood. How is it that me, the slayer, would have my sins forgiven and the debt of blood on my head be taken away because the high priest shed his blood for me? Oh, hallelujah, I'm so thankful for the blood of Christ. He who is greater even than the high priest in those days, who lived without sin, had no reason why he should die, yet he paid the debt on my life. Can you imagine with me the slayer after so many years waiting and waiting by now he's got a job he's doing this he's doing that but he's still not seeing his family and he's still not visiting his home and he still hasn't doesn't know what's going on all he knows is what's happening in the walls he is bound by that debt for years all he wanted to do was go outside the wall. All he wanted to do was visit his family. Many have come now. The city is full of slayers. The city is full of people who've messed up, who've done wrong. But then a messenger comes and delivers the horrible news. I'm here to announce our precious, loving, holy high priest 
has died. And although it's bittersweet, can you imagine with me being that slayer who already all of a sudden found out the so many years that he's been sitting there has come to an end. His need to hide has come to an end. His need to be in darkness has come to an end because although it's bittersweet, the high priest has died. Now I'm free. Now I can leave the city. Now I can live my life. Now I can do what I want to do for the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Can you hear the cheers of excitement from the slayers who now had the opportunity to leave the walls? Come on, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. The Bible tells us that we have freedom through Jesus. Oh, can you hear the cheers? Can you hear the shouts? Oh, can you see the tears falling down their face as they realize the high priest has died? I'm free. I'm free. Can we stand to our feet today? Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. The high priest has died, and now I'm free. Hallelujah. I know this was a story, and I tried to explain this the best I could, but I do feel... That was me. And it's still me today. Oh, that I can know that even though I've failed and I've messed up, the high priest has died. The high priest gave his life. Now I can be set free. You don't have to be bound by the same old sins. You don't have to live inside of the darkness. You don't have to live inside your depression and sorrow. You don't have to live inside your guilt and shame. The high priest is dead. Hallelujah. Somebody say the high priest is dead. Oh, this is good news. This is good news. That's why they call it the gospel, the good news, because the high priest is dead, and now I'm free. Hallelujah. I would love it if all of us could come down to the altar right now and bring with us that guilt and that shame. And I realize many people here, you've probably already repented. Maybe you've already done it today, but I'm wondering if we could one more time come to the presence of God and say, God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to wash me, Lord. I need you to cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Lord, for I know the wages of sin is death. But, Lord, I also know the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. What can oh, I away my sin? He paid the price for your sin. Nothing but the blood. He paid the price for of your sin. 
Jesus. His blood was shed so that yours what doesn't have to be. Can make me stop living in that bondage. Again. Stop living in that pen. You're free. Oh, nothing. Come out of the city. The blood Come out of the city. Of Live your life of freedom in the presence Jesus. of God. Live your life of joy and oh, peace and goodness. precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No. no. 